the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you're thinking that Jesus um, is still here to serve you, you have a distorted view of who Jesus is right now. Okay? Well, right there, Jesus says, I have come to serve. And you know what? So many Christians today think that Jesus is still their servant. Jesus is no longer our servant. He finished that on the cross. You know what he is right now? You know where Jesus is right now? He's seated on the throne. He's king of kings and lord of lords. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. He's sitting in the highest throne of power. We cannot define this marriage according to what we want. We cannot define this marriage according to what we want. When we enter the kingdom of God, we bow to the king. It's the king's word. Okay, get practical, Pastor. This sermon is going to go on and on and on. How do we serve one another? Let me give you some practical opportunities. Look for opportunities to serve the person, right? Serve your wife, serve your husband, okay? What's, what's needed to be able to reflect this? Adjustments to our preferences, okay? We need to make adjustments when we get married, all right? This is not going to be a one-sided deal. We have to make adjustments, okay? If your wife likes to go shopping, at least look interested. All right. You know, oh, if you, your wife, you know the Super Bowl's coming in this afternoon, okay? And you've been married for 67 years, and your, your husband's a football fan, and you know nothing about football, get a book. Start learning something about it. Not that, not, not that you're forcing yourself, but you just, you're just showing that you're willing to adjust in order to be able to serve your husband. Okay, what else? Learning to be interested. All right? Learning to be interesting. Find out what the person is interested in and find ways to support it. Unless uh, she's interested in divorcing you. You, you, you. Please don't support that one. It's, it's no good. Learning to change our attitude, okay? Learning to change. Uh, we can change, folks. We can change. I use this illustration many times. You know, we could be fighting, screaming, and yelling at each other, screaming at the top of the voice, and then the phone rings, and we pick it up, and we say, Hello? We can change. We can change instantaneously. You know what? Sometimes we don't do it because we forget. We forget we need to reflect something bigger than our, than our own attitude about life. Be careful what words we use when we engage one another. Don't use words like, what's wrong with you? That's assuming there's something wrong with the person, right? Just ask, what's the matter? You know? That's better. In any way. You know, don't, 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 tell, don't tell your spouse. You don't have the right to feel that way. You know, she can feel any old way she wants. You know, but we have no right to tell somebody how they feel. If they feel that way, you know, it could be bad food from the night before. <laughs> or it could be something real. So we have no right. We have no right to ask the question. I mean, this is, these are practical things. But this is done not to just get 
to, get a, to take advantage of the other person so the other person can, they, can take advantage of us. But this is an act of worship to honor Jesus Christ in our life. You know, I don't, I don't listen. The one no-no that I have made in my, my whole life is to look at other people's marriages and compare my marriage to theirs. If you're a Christian, Christian, don't do that. I, you know how many people come to me and tell me, you know, Pastor, I, I know this couple. They're not even Christians. They don't even believe in Jesus, but their, their, their marriage is, is working well and all of that. Please don't do that. Your only priority here is your own marriage. All right? You know, Jesus addressed that, but that's not the sermon for the day. I, I, I'll, I'll give that to you some other time. Don't compare. You have your hands full already in your own marriage. Trust me on that one. It's none of your business how other marriages are working out or not. You're responsible for reflecting the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ in your own marriage. Number two, a Christ-centered marriage is judged by the measure of spiritual activities inside that marriage. Spiritual activities inside the marriage. Look at verses 26 and 27. Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy. Underline the word make her holy. Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a, as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. That's again, it's a reflection. It's a reflection of what Jesus is doing in our lives. How do we grow? How do we grow as Christians? As spiritual activities are important, you know. Everybody needs to know how to pray in this room, right? That's why those of you who have recently come to faith in Jesus, we have a discipleship class. I teach people how to pray. I teach people how to read the Bible. I teach people how to do all of these things. Because believe it or not, I have met Christians that have been Christians forever and does not know the first thing about how to pray, about how to read their Bible, about how to understand what God is saying, about who Jesus is. Come on. You know, I mean, if I sound frustrated, please. If there are some things that you needed to overcome and you still haven't overcome them, probably God is saying something to you, but that's not an excuse for you not to really carry the cross and follow Jesus. Amen? Don't, don't hate on the mailman. There has to be spiritual growth, spiritual activity in the marriage. There has to be. Not even an option because that's a measuring rod. You know, it, it's measured. I, I, you know, I, 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 I wish, I, you know, I wish, you know, being, being, you know, in a Zoom service is good enough. It isn't. You, you, you can't hug anybody virtually. It's difficult. You can't show. You know, uh, you can't, you can't do a lot of spiritual things like that. And you may disagree. You know, it was Adam's abandonment of his responsibility that caused the fall of mankind. Let me think about that for a moment. The responsibility for spiritual growth in a marriage has been given to the husband. That's a responsibility that the husband has to lead the family in, in spiritual activity, spiritual uh, disciplines and things like that because Adam's abandonment of that responsibility caused the fall of humanity. So marriage is a, is a way by which God can restore what was lost in the Garden of Eden. Jesus as the groom is responsible for reconciling us back to God, the fallen humanity being redeemed for the glory of God. And he did that through his death on the cross and he validated that by rising again after three days so that when he proclaimed this gospel, those who believed 
get saved and they had a relationship restored with God. A Christ-centered marriage must reflect that also. It is the man's God-given responsibility to lead his family to a holy and pure life just as Jesus was responsible for his church's holiness and purity in the church's life. How much spiritual activity goes on in the marriage, in the family? This is a good measuring stick of whether we are in a center, Christ-centered marriage. Having Christ, a Christ-centered marriage versus a non-centered, mar- Christ-centered marriage is, is like watching a black and white movie and a colored movie. I can tell you that, you know. You can watch a movie in black and white, you know, same dialogue, same actors, same scenes in, in black and white. And if you watch that, that, that movie in color, all right, it gives a, a completely different dimension. Same actors, same movie, same dialogue, same everything. But it's different in the sense that it's alive, that, that it's vivid. And that's the same thing. You know, I, I remember watching, we, we did, we, my television was breaking, you know, back in the, the, the 90s, you know. I, I'm not much of a TV person in terms of buying the latest things. But my, 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 uh, my monitor went out, you know. It, it became black and white. <laughs> but I wanted to see this movie called Saving Private Ryan. I don't know if you've seen that one. Saving Private Ryan. And I watched it in black and white. And I go, ah, oh, man, that's a great movie. That's a wonderful movie. It depicts World War II in a, in a really, you know, wonderful way and all of that. And then a few years later, I saw that movie in color. <laughs> I've seen it in black and white, and I've seen it in color, okay? It blew me away. How <laughs> it affected me so much differently. Why did it affect me so, so much different? Because of the color of the blood. In black and white, the blood blends with the uniforms of the soldier. It blends with the water. It blends with the dirt. The blood, it, it, it looks the same thing as everything. Then I saw it in color. That blood was red. And it captivated me and changed the way I looked at war forever. Can you imagine that in your marriage? You know, I imagine that in my marriage. Maybe some of you have been in this black and white marriage for a long time. Everything is the same. You know, when you're happy, you look like this. And when you're sad, you look like this. You don't look different. Right? I mean, you know, if you're honest, if you, if you assess, and if I assess, I, I, this, is, this is hard work. Marriage is hard work. Marriage has to be in vivid color. Why? Because we have a God who, who we're reflecting. We're reflecting. This, 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 has to be, this has to bring life. Jesus is the life. He's the light and he's the life. Light means, you know, he shines through everything. And he's the life because his blood flows. We can see it. People can see it. And it becomes a testimony, a reflection of what a, a Christ-centered marriage looks like. A marriage without spiritual activities is like that. It looks like it has a life, but not fully complete. That's why every person who comes to faith in Jesus must grow spiritually. Every marriage must do so. It must be characterized by spiritual activities to make your marriage and my marriage reflects, reflect Christ and the church. You praying for your marriage? 
Are you praying for your children? You're praying for your wife? I don't, you don't have to be showy about it. You know, I'm, I'm generally not a, you know, I'm not one of these very formal person, you know, that when, when, when we sit down a, around the dinner table and, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't say let us pray. I don't do that. I'm just not, I just don't like that kind of thing. We pray, we pray quick and all of that. But I can guarantee you there's never been a time where I did not close my eyes before I go to sleep that I pray for my family. I'm not bragging, okay? I say this in my mind. I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to do that. You know what? Go to church. Take your family to church. All right? These are beautiful, wonderful pews. They don't look as good empty. Oh, you just wanted us to come so that some more people will listen to you. You know, look, you, you know. <laughs> That's the farthest thing. You know, in fact, people that listen to me tend to want, don't want to come to church anymore. All right? Again, these are not just rituals. Uh, this is a reflection of what we ought to be. Uh, Jesus even taught his disciples to pray. Pray privately, but pray accurately. My marriage, your marriage, has to reflect those things. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset of, as that of Christ Jesus. So this is a reflection. Now, there's a third spoke in the wheel of Christ-centered marriage and whether we judge our, our measure our marriage, okay? The measure of a sacrificial affection. This is the, the third spoke. Verse 28 to 30. Sacrificial affection. Underline specifically, sacrificial, okay? Verse 28. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their, their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. Just as Jesus sacrificed himself for his love for the church, dying for her to, on the cross, a marriage must also be measured by sacrificial affection. Love demands a sacrifice. Marriage demands a sacrificial, sacrificial affection. You can't really love someone without giving up something for that person. In a marriage, you really can't show real love and affection without sacrificing something for the other person. The command is for the husband to love his wife sacrificially. Now, isn't that how marriages start? The first sacrifice that a man has to, 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 to offer when he unites himself with his wife is what? Jesus said it. A man shall leave his father and mother. What does that represent? It represents your heritage. It, represent, it represented your upbringing. Isn't that right? It represented uh, your, your, your old cultural upbringing. That's what leaving your father and mother means. This is, this is not just literally going from their house to the next house that you buy for your, your, house, your marriage. This is leaving your family background. This is leaving your, your, your family habits. This is leaving your family way of thinking. This is leaving everything behind and being united with your wife. It's much more profound than just saying, you know, I'm married now. I'm going to move out and I'm going to move to, a, to another place. You're sacrificing a lot, you know. When your whole family used to just sit around in the couch watching TV 24 hours a day, when you move out, you're going to leave that behind. You're going to cut it down to one hour. You're leaving your childhood. 
We think about that for a moment. But before, before you even decide what this marriage is going to look like, you're sacrificing something. Yeah, I know, you know I'm, I'm, I'm old enough to know, and I've lived a little, okay, to know that when we get married, we carry a lot of baggages from the, from the house. And if not from the house, from the previous house, we carry those baggage. You know, we couldn't carry our new wife to the door on the first wedding night because you have a backpack, you have two luggages, you're towing a lot of things, and she's waiting for you to carry her inside the, the house. And he says, yeah, just open the door for me, please. Bad sign. If on your wedding night, he asks you to open the door for you, bad signs of things to come. The next thing is, can you scratch my back? Can you wash my clothes? Can you drive me to the store? Can you take the garbage out? Can you not ask me to come to church on Sunday? It's true. We carry these baggages. How can we reflect the glory of God that way? You know, sacrificial affection is being willing to let go of some stuff in order to be able to glory. You do that in your relationship with the Lord, don't you? Please say yes. You know, you could be, you could be tailgating right now for the Super Bowl party, but you're not doing it. Why aren't you doing it? You're tempted. I'm sure you're tempted. I know where you're going after the service. You go to somebody's house. And when 315 hits, you're drinking that beer. You're getting drunk. Yeah. But why don't you do that? Why, why aren't you there? Because sacrificial affection, this is not legalism, folks. I'm not being legalistic here. I'm simply saying to you, love demands a sacrifice. Affection is, you know, I, I, I can tell my wife I love her all with all of my heart, but, I, I, but, but if I text her flowers with an emoji, with a, with a heart, and with a picture of flowers, see if that's going to work. I dare you to, to do that. She's going to text you with another emoji. With a, a finger in one hand that um, your salvation cost heaven everything. You're saved because heaven chose to give you its very best. That's why we're saved. Now think about that for a moment. Sacrificial affection. Look at the cross. Do you ever wonder why in the Old Testament, you, you know, if you read the Old Testament, you know what God says, I want you to offer me a sacrifice, right? In the Old Testament. And what's that sacrifice? A perfect lamb, perfect bull, perfect dove, perfect goat. I won't even get up if there's a blemish on that cow you're sacrificing. I won't even turn my back. I wouldn't get up. I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even entertain your prayers. I wouldn't even look at your troubles. I would just say, mm -hmm, God says. I wouldn't even look at you unless you come to me, turn that fire on, and offer a sacrifice that is perfect. That's in the Old Testament. Why was God doing that? And why was God so mean in doing that? Because he's showing you that one day a perfect sacrifice is going to come and that sacrifice is going to be unblemished. It's going to be perfect and there's nothing you can do to outdo that sacrifice. So stop. Just reflect it. Don't demand that from your spouse. Just reflect it. Just reflect it. It's God's plan all along to demonstrate his love for you and I through the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross. We honor God by reflecting Jesus' sacrifice for the church. Look at this in Romans 12.10. It says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. You know, that's not a suggestion. That's a commandment. 
Sacrificial affection is a way of genuinely honoring Christ by honoring your spouse. It's a reflection of honoring Jesus. How do you show sacrificial affection? Physical affection. Hugs, kisses, caress your wife, caress your husband privately. Publicly, don't, no, not too much. Right? Don't overdo it publicly. But privately, you can give them very special hugs. What else? Accept your differences. Accept in a sense that you need to realize that there are people, there are, there are struggles that we all have. You know, just genuine affection means um, you have a sense of patience and, 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 and getting the other person to grow. Hard work. What else? Appreciation. Complimenting and thanking your spouse uh, is an act of sacrificial affection. Honey, thank you for brushing your teeth tonight. When they do something that you didn't expect, show them affection. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I know. All right? Show them appreciation. Don't take them for granted. Compliment them. A compliment goes a long way. Don't tell your wife she's gaining weight. And don't tell your husband he's losing his hair. You both know already that's true. Why do you need to say it to each other? We may laugh at this, but showing sacrificial affection means you just do away with some of the things that, you know, you don't have to, to, to say, but you say them anyway, just so that the person feels that affection. I used to work for a startup company a long time ago, and I got paid very, very well to do a job. You know, and every, the only thing that I got to do is to meet with, this, with this, this designer and we collaborate on a project and he's, he's the one that designs the whole thing and I design things for him and, and uh, we both get paid quite a bit to do this design. But every time we have a collaboration, every time that we finish talking, he will always say to me, thanks for meeting with me. Thank you for your ideas. You know, they really make sense, and we can try to work, work it out so that we can do this thing together. Now, that guy didn't have to thank me for anything. We're getting paid to do a job. I'm getting paid to do a job. You know, if the guy tells me, jump, I will have to say how high because I'm getting paid to jump, and how high depends on. But he just tells me that he's grateful. You know, that makes me feel good. You know, that makes me feel good. I mean, imagine if you hear that on a continuous basis, just, just a, a, being affectionate because you are making a, a, a deliberate effort to, to love the Lord. And finally, I, I got to end this by, by uh, saying that uh, Christ-centered marriage is judged by the measure of ab abiding satisfaction. Abiding satisfaction is the last point here. Verse 31, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and, his, and the wife must respect her husband. Obviously, marriage, uh, marriage is greatness and success will be measured on the basis of a singular goal, okay? A singular goal, abiding satisfaction. Marriage between a man and a woman for life, we need to find contentment and satisfaction in it because that's the ordinance, that's the commandment that the Lord has given, all right? So it, it may be tough, but that has to be established. Divorce happens when we become dissatisfied, not with the person, but we get dissatisfied with God's rule, 
Okay, that's really the root of it. Ask yourself this question this morning. If a marriage is supposed to reflect Jesus' relationship to his church, would Jesus ever divorce the church? The answer is no. So look at that and ask yourself, if there is a problem in my marriage, would I be able to simply say, I'll divorce my wife, I'll divorce my husband because I'm dissatisfied with them? Of course not. The root of dissatisfaction is not with the other person. The root of dissatisfaction is with God's word. John 10.10, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Are you satisfied with God's plan for your marriage? If you're not, you need to find the center of your marriage. And find it, and you can only find it in a relationship with Jesus. Wives, you are called to reflect Jesus' love through submission. Guys, we are called to a greater responsibility, which is to love, serve, sacrifice, and spiritual leaders, leadership. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.